Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Electric Moon. This is our very first installment of Artist to Artist. Um, we're doing a lot of things from the show. The biggest thing is kind of chatting with fellow artists, um, whether it be painters or sculptors, musicians, songwriters, whoever it is, um, and just kind of picking their brains about how they do certain things, what inspires them, where the songs come from, some of their biggest influences, and just random musings throughout the interview. Very excited about it. Um, it's something that I've always been really um, interested in is, is listening to fellow artists talk about how they do certain things. And um, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. We do a lot of special things from here. There'll be live performances here and there. We'll be introducing what's coming up at the Electric Moon, things like that. Um, but without further ado, um, our very first guest is one of my favorite Los Angeles songwriters and songwriters in general, actually. Um, she's fantastic. She's an entrepreneur. She's multi-talented. She's a songster. She's a troubadour. And she's wonderful. Um, I'd like to welcome to the show, Ariel Silver. Are you there? Hi. Hi. Nice to be here. Good evening. Good How's evening. it going? So good. Yeah. 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 Good? yeah, yeah. Just had a, a few days of just like yoga and music and yoga and music. So it's been it's been a nice couple of days. Yeah. That sounds that sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been pretty hot in Los Angeles. You're keeping cool. Yeah. We. I mean, there must be a fire burning nearby because the air quality today just, you know, kind of went sideways. It got kind of. Yeah, you could just feel like the particulates in the air and the sunset was a little too pretty. Yeah, but, you know, I noticed you know that. It's, that. Yeah. I thought the rain was coming and I, I was out in Tep Topanga Canyon today and um, it was quite interesting. Actually, yesterday, I think there was a fire that had started and then by the time I was leaving about an hour later, they had, they had it put out. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, we pray for the, the firefighters. My brother's a firefighter and we pray for their safety and hope we can... Uh, Get, get through this fire season and all that but yeah 100%. tell me about your, your you've got quite a setup over there um <laughs> tell us about that my like my live stream setup all the all the your your whole studio setup over there and well this is my on. this is my she shed in the backyard mm -hmm. um it's a 10 by 12 space that i i put up in 2018 and when I built it, I had no idea what I was going to do with it. I wasn't playing. It a lot almost doubled as a bunker. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do with it at the time. I had um, effectively quit music um, almost 10 years earlier at that point. And um, I was just trying to find my creative muse. I felt like there was something and I didn't know what it was. So I... I in the spring of 2018 built this shed well i didn't build it myself i mean hammer and nail yeah like yeah. that that wasn't me um but I, I hired someone to build it and um and you know within a few weeks within a month or so after i built the shed i just picked up my guitar and started writing songs again and Great. it was it was like i just needed that as virginia wolf said that room yeah. on my own i just needed that space um, and it brought me back to music. So I love this space. And then when COVID hit, of course, it's become like, you know, a Mecca, my little haven in the backyard. Um, 
I teach yoga from this room. I do my music live streaming. I host and produce my podcast from here. I teach classes from here. I do everything right here. So, right. yeah. Right. So it's got a good amount of space in there. You know, it's only 10 by 12. I mean, 10 feet by 12 feet is not, it's not that much, but you know, I can work with it. I, I got my bookshelf over here. I got my yoga mat back there. Um, you know, <laughs> it's like, I got my guitar, you know, it's like everything I need. Um, now, as a writer, do you find that where you're writing is, is integral to your creative process? Like if you were to go to, oh, say the South of France or Tanga um, Canyon, or your own studio, do you feel that that's conducive to what comes out of you? Is yeah, that, yeah. Sensitive to that? Yeah, I think that that's why I needed this shed to come back to music. Um, I, I grew up in the woods, in a house in the woods, and there's just something about like being outdoors, um, not outdoors in an urban setting, but outdoors with like trees and airflow, and mm -hmm. just like where my eyes can kind of look beyond a wall yeah. um to me it's like it it's sometimes inconvenient but it i've i've come to realize it's an essential part of my creative process for for writing music um and when i built this shed this 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 shed is the size that it is because i was trying to replicate a cabin that i used to live in oh brilliant in the summer times um in in the woods of massachusetts when i was in my 20s Wonderful. And and I loved that cabin and I would sit out on the um, on the like there was a little dock right next to it and it looked out over a pond when the winters were, you know, when there was a lot of snow or rain uh, during the winter in the summertime, the pond would come out, come under the cabin and then in the drier winters, you know, wouldn't quite wow. reach that. But it was really beautiful and um I don't know. I just feel really at home there. So when I built this this shed, I was kind of trying to emulate it. It's not finished. The walls, like it's not. Um, it gets really cold in the winter and really hot in the summer. There's no insulation in here, but there's something about that outdoorness that I I think I need. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of um conducive to that as well. I, I, yeah. It's interesting. I have um every place I've lived out here in California, each house I've lived has been like a. Uh, like a, a time period marker. Mm. Like when I lived in Topanga, it was mostly with Barbarian Overlords and recording those records. And then I did um, Sir Orchid and the Magnificent in that little house. And um, so then my next my next place, I was in uh, Burbank and I did um, Your Harpy's Revolution for the most oh part. Oh my gosh, you can map this whole city based on yeah, what record weird. you recorded. It's really wow. Weird. My, my, it's really time period of where I was yeah. artistically. And then now in this house is all electric moon. Wow. Yeah, so everything was created That's cool. in this house. So years from now, you know, when driving around going to these different places, it's like, man, I did everything from electric moon was in right through that window at a kitchen table with my little magic chair that you can't see with, with <laughs> photo, but um, it's right here. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's just, it just maps out, you know, what I was, those, and it's weird. It's, it's not like you plan like, Oh, I'm going to move this house and I'm going to do this record. It just yeah. happens that way. You just buckle down and then, you know, it's time to move that work is out there and done. And, but, um, wow, kind of how that works. 
That's such an interesting idea that when that project has kind of run its course, it's time to move on to the next space and just kind of soak up whatever spirits show up in that. Yeah. So what have you done in that shed so far? Oh, wow. I mean, everything that you're probably familiar with of me has been done in this shed. So, um, you know, my third album came out in 06 and my fourth album came out in 2020. So there's like a big gap between the third and fourth album. And, um, the, the fourth album, a thousand tiny torches that came out last summer, um, you know, before I recorded that record 2018, once the shed was built and I settled in here, I laid down the flooring, I put that chalkboard wall up behind me and, um, I just started writing a song a week. I just wrote songs for 2018 and in, 20 end of 2018 i just hesitantly started to put my you know dip my toe in the water of performing i was really nervous about performing again because i had sort of um in in 2009 when i had basically decided to quit music um you know playing shows were really fraught with a lot of anxiety and just like not positive feelings and so in 2018, 2019, when I started performing again, each time I, I played a show somewhere, I, I just like, I walked into the space and I was like, okay, you don't have to do this for the rest of your life. You just have to do this tonight and just wow. see if you enjoy it. And, wow. you know, and I was enjoying it a lot. Like I was really, really loving having the opportunity to take these songs that I had been writing and, you know, play them in a physical space for a listening audience and to connect with people over stories and narratives and songs. And it was, it was just like, it was really interesting, but it was baby steps, complete baby yeah. steps for me. And in 20, you, um, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, you, you please finish. Oh, I was going to say that in 2019. So that was 2018. And then 2019, um, by then I knew that I wanted to come back to music. I was like, yeah, this is, this is the thing. This is the thing that I love. This is the thing I have always loved. I just needed to, it was almost like we had a, you know, me and music, you know, had like a love affair and we had eventually we had to break up. Like we were, we got divorced. Like we just couldn't see eye to eye for 10 years, but then we got back together, me and music. And we suppose the turning point was, was there something, you know, very, um, I was a feather. Good luck. Um, (laughs) do you think there's like a turning point, something that, cause I had some big things happen in my life in the, in the past year or so that were really turning points for me. Was there something in your life that um you know maybe your your meditation or whatever it is or you're like yeah i don't have to be so anxious or or yeah um what made you fall back in love and say yeah this is what i need to be doing and just relax like how did that work yeah i think that um when i so i had i had been practicing yoga for about nine ten years by the time i quit music but i was only kind of i was just sort of dabbling in yoga i was doing it as an exercise, but not as like a deep engagement with the practice. But then in 2008, um, I just got deep into my yoga practice. And I think that, I think that that's what it was. It was, it was this like kind of the shattering of my ego, uh, whatever had come before, just scraping everything down to the foundation. And then, um, yeah, that, that consciousness, that mindfulness, the breath and, yeah. just learning how to kind of knit myself back together, not trying to knit myself all in one session. Like I, I finally had some patience. I think yoga taught me, taught me yeah. a lot about patience, allowing time to just 
unfold. I think I, yeah. I had been in a big rush yeah. before that. Yeah, you know, it's meditation. I, I'd like to touch upon that a little bit later in the, in the show and your, um, your, your, your gig as a yoga instructor and all that. I want to get to yeah. that. But back to the, um, the, the nerves before a show. I mean, I, I'm kind of like that too. You know, I've never done the whole like throw up before the show kind of thing. I've never mm. had to do that. But, um, but I always get really, real anxious. And sometimes I wonder, why am I doing this if I feel like this? But, you know, but someone, you know, a wise man once told me, he's like, you know, you got to have some sort of nerves. Um, I think it was Brandon Flowers from The Killers. He's like, you know, when, when I'm, when I, because he was deathly afraid of taking the stage, like early on oh, in The wow. Killers, you can see their early stuff was like, he was very timid and, and really had a difficult time. Now he's one of the greatest performers that we have, but he took time to grow, but he, he, he was basically saying, you know, your nerves let you know that you care mm. and that you feel. So he's like, when they stop visiting me, then maybe it's time to stop because maybe that means I don't care anymore. So, yeah. you know, they're, I think they're essential. And they also, for me, you know, if it's a big show and, you know, the curtain opens and, you know, the, the entrance music stops and the lights go down and the band is we're kind of hopping backstage and we're ready to go and it's all right guys let's go and we're kind of heading you you're kind of like a tiger that's been in a cave <laughs> yeah all yeah. that follow-up energy you're just like oh man you know our intro music just started you're kind of like oh here we go let's roll you know so i think you need some of those nerves you know but i think at one point for me and with meditation i was like okay you gotta you gotta ease up on some of these nerves because you can't mm. go in like to this extent, but I think to hold on to some, like when I was in my early twenties, like I, I would just be just backstage. I would just be, I couldn't talk to anybody. Yeah. It's like, show me the stage. I'm just going to beeline through the crowd and get up there and do my work. Yeah. Cause that's just how I got into my space and got into my head to do what I do now. You know, I'm able to have dinner with the band and the conversation. And then I go and say, excuse me, guys, I have to go warm up. I have to go. You know, and then I do my thing for, you know, a half an hour. But so it's gotten better throughout the years. But I know how you feel about that. But I think it's important to have just a bit of that. You know, I think I think the greatest performers in the world are probably the ones that have the most nerve before. Hmm. You know? But they can control it just enough, maybe. You know, but. you know, I think that um, I think that uh, like I think you're I think you're right about nerves and and having that like little bit of adrenaline and excitement yeah. about yeah. performing. I think that that does, um, you know, it does show on stage that excitement. Yeah, but I sure. think that the nervousness and the stage fright that I had when I was younger, um, I think it was coming from a different thing. I okay. maybe partly excitement, but I think it was also coming from an oversized attachment to perfection and to mm. ego ego protection or yeah. like I was wearing a lot of armor when I was younger and mm. I wanted to both put on a good show but also not let anybody see me. I wanted to be like myself inside. Like I wanted like the a facade of me as a performer. That's what I wanted people to see. And the real me underneath, I, I was very attached to people not seeing that. And that took a lot of energy to kind of keep that locked up, you know, to, to simultaneously want to be seen and not seen 
that's that's, that's a really difficult if not impossible thing and yeah, i think that I was, what'd you say it's a weird balance yeah yeah and i i have it's funny i have a song on my third album called pull and push and you and the the chorus of the song is you can you cannot simultaneously pull and push and i think that in those years i was always simultaneously trying to pull and push every aspect of my life um and then i had this kind of realization i mean you and i had a beautiful conversation earlier this summer as i was prepping to play a show i called you up and i was like how do i deal with this you know i don't want to get stage fright and and um, it was a great conversation. It helped. It helped. I really worked like for a couple of weeks. Oh. All of the work that I did in my journal, in my meditation, it was all around trying to find a path beyond this wall of stage fright that I had previously felt. And I had this realization during that time, um, which is that it, it comes down to, for me, it comes down to the song. But the thing is, for me as a musician, I, I'm a classically trained woodwind player and I studied wow. classical and Renaissance music wow. in, in, when I was younger and then throughout college. And there's this, there's this elusive perfection that I never felt like I achieved. I never felt like I was going to achieve it. And yet I felt like I was supposed to keep striving for it. Mm. And, and I think that that, that realization that what I'm doing now is it's all about the song and it doesn't matter if um, you know if I if I don't quite hit that phrasing right or if I drop a chord or any of that as long as the song comes across right. I mean I'm trying to play a good show right I'm trying to, I'm trying to play my songs right but at the same time it, it doesn't have to be a flawless performance okay. I can let go of that that ideal that I had carried with me mm -hmm. when I was a classical player yeah. and not worry about that, you know? Yeah. I think you, I think as artists, we, we can kind of get hung up on that. And yeah, you know, I've, I've never been, um, to me, the word perfection in art is a bad word. Totally. I, I totally think agree. But I've, I've also been very difficult on, on some producers in my life about getting that vision out and getting it how I want it. But I think that's different though. It's it's a little bit more like, okay, the horns there, that trumpet mm. sound is not the sound that I want, but it's not about hitting the right notes. It's about the whole scope of the of of the piece. Right. Um it's not about the that the all the notes are in line. Cause I I I'm very against perfectionism. Like I I, my last producer who I worked with on um, Your Heart Beats Revolution. It's a great um, record. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. He, he he wanted to, and I don't want to offend anybody here, of course, different, there's different musicians for different things, but he, he wanted to bring in his buddies that were all studio musicians. Mm -hmm. Okay, so studio musicians, as far as musical knowledge, they can run circles around me. You know what I mean? It's like you, you had George Martin to pull right. John Lennon in line. Like John, I'll oh, just some codes, you know, just, I don't know, goes like this. And George would be like, okay, yeah, this is what you're doing, John. Okay, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, so those studio musicians can run circles around me, but at the same time, it can give kind of a very perfect, stiff mm. feel and it, and it lacks that feel. So I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I think the people that we're going to bring around are, are very proficient 
musicians, but um, it's it's the same with painting. Like I, um, you know, I want to see something a little bit off. I want to see something not perfect, not like. Um, but some people are into, perf you know, uh, what's the word like scenery art or you know wildlife art. They want to see like it's perfect. I, for me, I see art as like I wanted something not perfect. So right, like something that's expressive. Um, yeah right and and expression yeah. is often i mean it's it's often a little bit messy there's often right. you know, like that moment where you get you know choked up or something like that or right. you know just those moments of of surprise emotion are sometimes the most beautiful um there's yeah. a story that i heard about uh brandy carlisle's record Sweet. that really was like her her breakthrough record and there's a song on that record where her voice breaks it's yeah. an awesome moment i mean she's got such a stellar voice and her voice just breaks. I mean, it's not, yeah it's just magic yeah it is magic and and i i think i read a story once where she was saying when they were recording that that she wanted to you know do another take yeah. on that and the producer was like no like that that's yeah. it we got to keep that um and it's yeah. true it's this magical moment and that's and, and for live as a, as a live thing you know it's it's kind of like you know if the power goes out you know something happens go out in the crowd grab some acoustic guitars and continue on and that audience is going to take something home like wow the power went out or you know something happened so they literally came out into the stage and they sang like 20 more songs and just had a mm, and that was right. an experience or even like freddie mercury i the, the story of you know you had the mic thing with just the stand Right, you know how you carry it around, yeah. like a cane. Well, that was a happy accident. I had heard the story that early on in the Queen show that it broke off the base of the mic stand. So that's oh. what I mean. He just made the best of it, and he carried it around. It became a trademark thing. So huh. there's, you know, you know the saying, it's just rock and roll. Yeah. You know? are, <laughs> it's only rock and roll. And those are the moments that I think people will remember they're going to remember moments like that versus a, a fine-tuned perfect show now you're gonna you're gonna remember a band firing on all cylinders but that doesn't mean it's perfection that just yeah. means that that organism organism together as a unit whether it's you know black flag or red hot chili peppers or yeah. Amon paula when those bands lock in or lucinda williams when it's locked in then they it's it's a it's an organism that is so powerful that it it moves you yeah. but i don't think there's perfection in that you know i love i love that word i've been thinking a lot about that word that you just said moves you when when you're moved that idea of of how like what is it in us that is that moves when 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 we are moved you know yeah. when we are moved by a moment in music like it feels like there's literally a shift in something in our psyche in our spirit Mm -hmm. there, there's something you know that idea of being emotionally moved um you know something has changed from point a to point b um yeah. and and those moments are amazing yeah it's amazing when we can feel them and yeah you know, sometimes we're lucky we give them yeah sometimes mm -hmm. really lucky mm -hmm. talk to me about now you have a big voice and i thought you sounded fantastic speaking of hotel cafe you sounded amazing that was a wonderful oh. show and i was I was really happy to be in the room for that, Thank but um, you have a, you have a great you have a great big voice, and and um, I'm always moved by 
you know, great singers and, and strong singers that can carry. Um, I think it was just you and you and Caitlin. Yeah. On the bass, she's fantastic, by the way, on the upright bass. Um, but to carry a show just with an acoustic guitar and a voice is it's not easy. And your voice sounded fantastic and very full. Talk to me about, I always love learning, like, who's into who? Like, who influences you? What singers out there that are, really move you? And kind of you... Right. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I don't know that I ever tried to emulate somebody. Mm-hmm. But when I think about what has influenced my vocals um, and, like, the way that I sing, I think that there are, there are a couple of things. Um, two of them are circumstance. Uh, the first one is that I grew up in a household that was pretty angry and a lot of shouting and anger and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I think that, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was I was yelling a lot and I was crying and I oh. was playing a lot of clarinet. And, you know, I was just trying to channel. I was trying to learn at the time. I, I wasn't thinking about this, but I think over time I've, I was trying to learn how to channel all of that power that I I was just, you know, that was uncontrolled at that age, yeah. how to channel that in a positive direction. Yeah. And so yeah. that's that's one thing I think. Great. Um, and then uh, the second circumstance is that um, when I was just starting out as a songwriter, I was I was living living in Boston and there's so many great songwriters out of the Boston music scene. It's just a phenomenal um awesome place to be. How is it nowadays? Still pretty strong? I think it's, I think it's really strong. I think that there's a really great community out there. Of course, I've been here now for a long time, but, um, you know, sometimes I I look back, you know, longingly at Boston. I'm like, oh man, you know, there are just, there's a lot of great songwriting happening in that town. And there's this, um, you know, LA is different. It's a different kind of, I mean, LA is a a phenomenal place to be. Um, You know, here you get um, really polished performances and it can be a little bit intimidating. I got to say like LA is a, a performer town and, um, you get, you know, people with like really strong voices and stage presence. And, you know, it's like everything about them, you know, looks fit for the stage. Boston is a little different. I mean, there's some of that, but for the most part, when I think about the songwriters in Boston, I think of just like, you know, people walking in off the street in their street clothes, picking yeah. up a guitar and just wowing you with a song that just hits your heart and makes you cry. And, you know, it's just that kind of thing. And when I lived in Boston and was starting out as a songwriter, um, that stage fright that was so debilitating to me, I, w- I knew that in addition to learning how to write songs and play guitar and, and sing, I knew that the other thing I needed to learn was how to perform, how to sing in front of people. And so I started busking on the street because I didn't think that I was experienced enough for any club to hire me. And I knew that I needed that experience of performing in order to get into the clubs. And so I just, you know, got an amp and I hooked a, a battery up to my amp and had a little cart and would go down to Harvard Square every weekend in the summer, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and then in the subways when it got colder. And, you know, and so I think that in part that busking influenced my voice because yeah. you're, you're singing like there's, there's street traffic, there yeah. are people walking by, there are subway cars. And, you know, it's like, how can you make yourself be heard? Yeah. You know, and I, I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but I, I think about it now, like, you know, those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a, from a artist standpoint, you know, who, who influenced me vocally? Um, 
I wasn't trying to sound like her, but when I lived, uh, I think I was 20 or 21, I think I was 21 maybe, um, I, I was living in Boston, but my aunt and uncle hired me to be a nanny for my two little cousins, and they were living um, right over the Massachusetts border in upstate New York. And so I would get in the car in Boston and drive across the state, get to their house. That was Sunday night. And I would work at their house and live with them all week long. And then on the weekend, I would get back in the car and drive back across the state to get back to Boston. And I just I wanted to be in Boston. Um, But all of that, all of those hours in the car and also during the week, whenever I was like driving the kids to preschool or whatever it was I was doing. I often was listening to, you know, I had a cassette radio <laughs> um, at the time and just like a, a handful of cassettes in the car and Natalie Merchant's um, oh. album with, um, uh, I think it was actually maybe a 10,000 Maniacs album, oh, yeah. but it, it was like, it was either her with the band or her solo, but either way, I found that her range was, was like similar to mine but just a little beyond it and i would put that cassette on in the car and just sing along with her and try to like you know develop my vocal strength and so natalie merchant was a was a big one at that time um um uh oh and then my favorite songwriter one of my favorite songwriters contemporary out of boston but she's a big nashville writer now her name is Lori mckenna and um, i know that name yeah Sure. I love I love the way that she um, I, I've just loved her for a long time. I haven't tried to emulate her, but I am sure that something about the phrasing of her songs of her lyrics has seeped into my own style. I, I don't think you know, nobody's ever said to me, oh, you sound like Laurie McKenna, but she's just so close to my heart. And, you know, as an right. as an artist that I, I'm sure that that has influenced me. Right on. Yeah, yeah I think a my strength came from, I think for the most part, is just starting out as a young kid, just playing in and around Detroit and singing over, trying to sing over loud bands with crappy PAs in Detroit and, you know, noisy places. So I think that's a lot of where my strength came from because it's like, well, I can't hear myself. We'll sing louder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and they were, you know, a lot of times grungy places. So you kind of, um, you kind of had to really work at it. And that's, it's kind of like I kind of see it as like if you're in t-ball or baseball and you have two bats and you're on deck and then you have two and it's kind of a struggle and then you drop one and then you go up the bat and it's a lot lighter. So it's kind of like that. But I guess it's like any any kind of conditioning um, you do that you just like, you know, if you have if you're running and you have weights on your legs, you're going right. to work harder. You're going to develop those muscles. So I think all of this came from just like having to sing over the band and and their amps still turned up it's like i can't hear yeah sing louder <laughs> you know so yeah. um i think a lot of that it came from that really and i'm grateful for that well you have a magnificent voice i mean you're one of my favorite singers that i know personally oh. um you know your voice just blows me away so that's thank that's you so much that. yeah thank you so much i appreciate that but i can thank the city of detroit for that yeah, I'd like to thank Detroit. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'd but, like to thank um, Boston. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, and and shouting matches within the household. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's all a, it's all a gift, you know. It's you know, however we develop and however we come about, you know, good or bad, it's all in our 
our DNA and our makeup and it's, it's yeah. gift somehow. Um, next question. Do you want, actually, do you want to perform a song? Will you perform for us? Oh yeah, sure. I, I mean, I have my guitar. <laughs> oh, is, is it handy? Wait, <laughs> just just in case. <laughs> that beautiful guild guitar that I love so yeah. much. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. Yeah, this has been, this has been my tour buddy for a uh, long time, 20 years. Are you one to, um, I'm, I'm personally not, are you one to trade in instruments or, or sell them? Are you one to do that? No, not much. I'm, no. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm very loyal. <laughs> I'm a very loyal person. I'm loyal to, I still play on the same clarinet. This is a problem actually, because clarinets do not get better with age. Um, so I'm still oh. playing on the same clarinet that I, I've been playing on since it was a, it was like a giant gift that my whole family, everybody, grandparents, aunts, uncles, parents, everybody, cousins put, pulled their money together. Um, to buy wow. me this really great clarinet when I was in seventh or eighth grade. Um, and it, it was, you know, just like, I mean, you're not a clarinet player, so I won't get nerdy about the, the kind of clarinet it is, but, um, but it was, it was great. It, you know, if I were to continue with a career in, as a professional clarinetist, this is the clarinet I would get. Wow. But the thing is, it's really old now. And I went to a, a, a and they don't get better with age. So I went to Why a... You know, it's just like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like, well, I'll tell you that I went, there's a clarinet shop here in LA and I went down to the shop to do a masterclass to just attend, just to watch a masterclass with a really amazing clarinet teacher. And, um, the room was full of clarinet players and, and, you know, I brought my clarinet into the workshop at the end to, to the repair um, yeah. workshop you know, cause it needed, it needs some work. And, and I, I gave, I gave it to the, the guy there and he looked at this clarinet that I have that I, you know, it's just, it's just mine. You know, I've just had it forever. And he looked at, it, he's like, Oh, this is a vintage instrument <laughs> and I got it new. Right. And he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to take it apart to clean it. Cause you know, it has a lot of keys on it. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to clean it and it really needs cleaning, but he's like, I don't want to clean it because at this point it's so old that it's possible that all of the oh. gunk and grime and, and dust and everything that's accumulated over the years is keeping it together. Interesting. Um, you know, if, wow. if I take the keys off to clean it out, the wood might crack. So let's just, you know, keep it as it is. And wow. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. Cause I, I, um, you know, my, my main guitar, I, uh, I, whenever I have to have work done on it, I tell them not to clean it. Oh, that's right. I remember that. That's right. Because I think it yeah. becomes, um, not because the grime is holding it together, but it just, uh, like the juju. <laughs> yeah. It just feels like I just don't want it wiped down or, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of strange, but, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, guitars, they, you know, guitars tend to age well, which is oh, why, yeah. you know, we celebrate and like, I mean, those old Gibsons or, yeah. or whatever, it's like, they sound they sound great with age this guitar i think is sounding better and better with age i got it new um you know but yeah I yeah you know it's, it's especially the gibsons they're um the wood yeah but exactly mine, you can kind of see now demonstrate if you can't see it like yeah. this is a little bit more um it, it's finally got that antique color that I've been oh, waiting yeah. for, that I had to wait like 20 years for. So <laughs> it's finally, yeah, the wood, especially these Gibsons, man, they just, yeah. 
you want them to get old and that's where the magic is where the tone totally. is. but anyways i would love to hear a song and is this is this a song after your new record yeah i'm gonna play um what really matters off of Beautiful. a thousand tiny torches um this is the song that um kcsn 88.5 has been given some love to lately and Beautiful. it's also it feels appropriate to this time of year because i wrote it inspired by the wildfires um um well i mean it was i wrote it it was a particularly bad week bad fall actually um for wildfires when i wrote the song and um, you know, I'm sure like you, I knew a lot of people who were evacuated from the, you know, the areas and, um, it, you know, it's just inevitable around here. Um, and it just got me thinking ever since I was a kid, cause like I said, I grew up in the woods and I, I don't know, did you have this thing when you were a kid? I remember it coming up like, you know, fire preparedness and we had to think oh, about sure. like, how would we escape from our house if... Yeah, what if, was his name? What was his, what was his, what, what the guy, the... Um... People watching, they're like, oh, yeah, they're, they're shouting it out right now. <laughs> what was the fire, the fire guy, the fire bear? Oh, the bear, Smokey the bear. Smokey, thank you Smokey. so much. Everybody's shouting it at home. Like, Smokey, <laughs> Smokey the bear, I love him. Awesome. Um, but, you know, there was this idea that, um, you know, how would you get out of your house if there was a yeah. fire? And when I was a kid living in the woods of New Jersey, we lived in this house. My bedroom was on the top floor. It was built into the side of a mountain. So if there was a fire and I had to escape from my bedroom and couldn't get to the front door of the house, um, there was like a, a significant three or four story drop from my bedroom window down to the forest floor. Wow. Um, so this, this like bothered me as a kid. Cause I was like, gosh, like I, I, like, what would I do if there was a fire? Um, what would I bring also? Like if I could get out of the house, what would I take? And so that was sort of the beginning of, as I was writing this song, that's where this one started. So. Fire right in the wind on a tinder of leaves, flames flying in like an anime fighter. Sunrise and red, tell me what would you grieve? You're burned down to the bedrock, you're scraped down to the coals. When everything you thought you knew is changing, and you feel the devil fighting for your soul. Hot letters from a lover that you should long forget when your tidal waves of tears turn to laughter. That's when you know it comes down, 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 down. What really matters? Do 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 what really matters? Do of your home falling like snow you're an angel in ashes chimneys and tree bones and churchyard stones when it comes down to the bedrock when everything that you know may 
song i just have one complaint <laughs> i couldn't see your hands i know i realized like i set up st yeah i know yeah. i was like yeah it just looks like i'm like do 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 you I know i disturb you <laughs> I, I know the hands because we see the we can study the chords and the i <laughs> i think it's fun too you know just like you know seeing the activity even if you don't know what's happening yeah i just over the past couple of years i've really been like just trying to watch watch the hands watch well i'm a lefty so it would be oh yeah be my right hand but um so to watch kind of your left hand is or even the right there we go maybe that oh. there we go i changed my camera a little bit yeah that's <laughs> yeah that was great um is that would you say that was when would when did you write that one in the whole process of the whole record did that come later on mm. come, um it, it's a very strong one a lot of times for me, the real strong ones come under the pressure of like, we need, you know, these aren't good enough. So as you go along, oh. you know, right? So is that kind of how that one came mm. about or where did that one, was the one of the first, second, third? Yeah, well, in 2018, when I built the shed and started writing songs again and just, you know, a song a week, I found a songwriting group um, down in San Pedro. I started driving down there every morning, every Monday to uh, to share a new song and get critique right. and, and hear their songs. and. Um, and so just did that for all of 2018 and it was in the fall of 2018. So I had been, I had been, you know, writing a lot that year and it was in that fall that I wrote this song, probably, you know, October, I think Great. 2018. Um, and you know, up here in, you know, where I'm living up in Burbank, um, it was, we were in the middle of a, a you know, I mean, like I said, it was the middle of a, a lot of fires and the air quality was horrible. Um, it was, you know, very smoky. The ashes were falling everywhere on your car in the morning. You know, you'd put your windshield wipers on to clear the windshield. And, yeah. and then I went down to San Pedro with this song and it's like blue skies, clean air, like everything, like there's no fire anywhere. And I walk into the songwriting group with this song and they were like, wow, that's a really great fire metaphor. And I'm like, it's, it's, it's like, we're 
in the middle of a lot of fires like it was. Yeah, like, not a metaphor. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I didn't know at that point that I was writing a record. Um, yeah. I was just writing songs and trying to figure out if this was something that I wanted to come back to, if I was going to do this music thing again. And yeah. um, this song, I, I remember feeling, it's funny, I remember feeling uncertain about it because... Um, it's really just four chords over and over and over again. And I was trying to, I specifically, when I sat down to write the song, wanted to do that. I, 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 I wanted to just see what would happen if I use the same chord pattern, the same changes throughout the song, but just change the melody. Like how much could I put the pressure on the melody and just keep the changes the same? Right. And I actually think that that forced me to to write a stronger melody and more distinct sections in that way and sure. you know but at the same time when i when i brought this song to my producer when when we finally you know 6 months later started to work on the record i pulled this song out and i was like i don't know what do you think and he was like yes definitely that song right so, you know yeah, yeah. I, I i i've always found it fascinating when when bands or songwriters use just two or three chords through the whole, um, for instance, what's one that I learned recently for that uh, Last Kiss by, um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the original band, it wasn't Pearl Jam, um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank. The Cavaliers, I think the Cavaliers wrote that song, but it's just one chord progression all the way through and it's it's one of the greatest songs and everyone knows it, Last Kiss yeah. by the Cavaliers, done by Pearl Jam, or even Let It Be, yeah. Let it be, it's just the same chords, you know? And um, I have one song off Orchid of the Magnificent that, uh, called The Ghost in the Night that is literally just two chords, dun, 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 dun. And there's like yeah. three or four different melodies and hooks in it. And I, for me, I've always found that I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm not the strongest guitar player. So it's like, you better make the songs really good then. Right, right. You wanna like, it's um, out of necessity. Like you better make the songs really good because you're you're not as good as that guy as right. a guitar player. Right. So like you think, okay, well, to compensate, I just have to make the song really good and sing really well so they don't notice that I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that good on guitar. So for me, that's it. You know, that's kind of like the way to go about that. And yeah, totally. I mean, I feel the same way. You know, like okay, you know, the for me, I mean in terms of the kind of art that I that I want to make, I yeah. never said to myself, although I am always trying to improve my guitar playing, yeah, of course. you know, I never said, oh, I want to be a killer guitar player. You know, I really wanted to develop as a songwriter. Right. And, um, right. and really, like, the songwriting part is the, the part that has led me to become a better guitar player or become a better singer. It's all because, well, I really want to just write good songs, but I want to deliver them in a way that people can hear them. And if I can't sing it myself, you know, how can I, how can I get the song out into the world, yeah. you know? And that's the same for me. It's like, I, I'm more attracted to, I've never really had a drive to be a great, great guitar player. Although, you know, over the past couple of years watching, you know, St. Vincent or, um, or Jack White, I mean, these people, they're great guitar players, you know, so I get a little inspired by that, but I've always kind of been like, I'm not really that interested, but I I do want to write Let It Be and Nowhere Man and um, Last Kiss. I want to write songs like that, though. I'm more, I was more yeah. focused on like that versus 
Yeah. But I've worked at guitar. I don't think I'm a natural guitar I, player. I, I want to say this, though. I, I was in school with St. Vincent. Annie and I were in school together, um, music wow. school. And I want to say that she was a killer guitar player then, um, and also wow. a great songwriter, um, and also had terrific stage presence, um, yeah. you know, even even back then. Um, but she, she definitely, um, I don't remember if she was a guitar major or not but i remember we played some gigs together and i remember wow thinking oh i, I need to up my game here you know like she's yeah. she's she's got this fretboard down you know yeah, she's, um, she's, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan i, I yeah she, she came across my mind because i just saw her on something and i'm like man she's a really good guitar player yeah or, yeah she's um, terrific bonnie Raitt. oh yeah terrific that means yeah. like oh my god she she's just incredible incredible man yeah. like people just i remember seeing her it was almost like a a vision several years ago i saw her like, i don't know like three four in the morning i just turned on pbs or something and i was watching her and i was like wow who is that she's ripping it right now and ever since that moment because I, I didn't really know who it was which was yeah. weird because i'm pretty I, I pay attention i watch a little tell of different things and I didn't know who it was and I had to research who it was. I'm like, oh my God. But because I didn't know who it was and because it was like three or three thirty in the morning and I was confused, she's up there. that seventies footage of her just it seems like a all a dream. Yeah. Wow. She's great and but yeah, I've always that focus of just like, you know, three chords and the truth. You know? Yeah. Three chords and the truth and you're like if, if we're teaching a student at Electric Moon you know, music lessons, the biggest thing is like, you know, I can teach you the G chord and the C chord and encourage you to sing from the heart. And you're going to come back to me with songs that are yeah. ready to go because that's really all you need. You know, just dun, 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 ba -da -dee -dee, ba -da -da -dee. and you're good. You know, you can write a let it be, maybe, <laughs> but you know, so that's all you really need. And that's, that's, that's the core of every, every every artist is kind of tapping into that and being able to tap into that, which, you know, it's not really, it may be easy for you or feel easy, but it's not really that easy, you know? I think but. that the, the, the thing that, um, that someone needs, even before chords and, you know, a, an idea, is an interest. I think. I think it naturally comes. Like I've. Been, I've been thinking a lot for a long time about talent and the role of talent, and I think that. Um, you know, I. I think that interest is the thing that develops talent. Or, I mean, I. I've known plenty of people who have had a talent for something, but they don't have an interest in it, and they. It eventually falls by the wayside. It's. It's. You know, it's kind of excruciating when you watch someone like, wow, they're such a great player. How could they, you know, just put it down and, and never pick it up again? But it's like yeah. they, they just aren't that in, they're interested in other things. And I think that I think that when you're interested in something, you want to spend time with it. You know, when you're interested in a person, you want to spend time with them. When you're interested in um, an idea, you spend time with it in your mind. And when you're interested in, you know, music, it's like you, you're listening to it. You you start to figure it out and. And that is, I think, a more important thing than any kind of innate talent or whatever that might be. You know, I think that, that yeah. there's more longevity, longe uh, longevity 
with interests. Yeah, I think you're gonna have a, a kind of drive from within. Yeah. Something that hasn't existed before, I think. Yeah. Or just a drive of, you know, not knowing when to stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is kind of like the electric mood is just kind of just being creative and, and having that drive. I want to ask you too, what what um what usually comes first for you in in, in terms of writing a song? Is there anything that is there a melody? Is it a chord? Is it a, um, you know, a bird flying past your window? What what triggers? What comes first? Well, I keep I keep a running list of ideas. I mean, even just today, I was out for a walk and um, just a, a certain thing, you know, turned in my mind and I, I put it on my list in my phone. I have a list in my journals, a list in my phone. So I, I have those ideas, but that doesn't, it's like those are things that I mine when I when I come to songwriting I think I think that um so it's like those things are sort of like those ideas are like filling the cabinet so that when I'm ready to cook I have the ingredients oh, there great. or some ingredients you know yeah. um it's like those are the that's the spice drawer or whatever um I think that sometimes um you know I sing every day in the shower as like a, yeah. as a practice as a vocal warm-up um and as a as a joyful <laughs> thing to do you know um and sometimes when i'm when i'm singing it turns into you know just something comes and i'm i, I like a melody comes to mind and as soon as i get out of the shower i press record you know to capture it um but when i then come into the shed and pick up my guitar i don't always pick up that voice memo that um, sounds like a sounds like c yeah, there's. It's like all these seeds are dropping, but I don't necessarily. Um, I don't necessarily take that melody. It's almost like just the fact that the seeds are falling from the tree. I come into the shed. I pick up my guitar, and if mm. like I'll just start noodling with something, you know, and or you know, figuring out like some kind of chord progression or it doesn't always like i don't necessarily go back to those voice memos that i that i you know recorded um the song will never get written if i don't sit in the chair and pick up the guitar that that yeah. i know for sure i yeah. can have a thousand ideas a thousand voice memos but i have to make the time and i have to give myself a few hours at least that leads me to another question how do you feel about um when when to write and how to write because during quarantine i've heard uh one of the ways that nick cave writes one of my favorite songwriters is he actually he literally puts on a, a suit his jacket you know he that black he goes suit. to work yeah, yeah he's always in a black suit right he does that and i think he he leaves the house he goes to his office he puts on his jacket and he's nine to five and he goes to work and you know during stay-at-home orders where that's all we had to do was yeah. you know, i was building electric moon and drawing up the plans and yeah and then studying business and then i would write like a lot of times i would just do different days like okay today you're just gonna write and then then you're gonna you're gonna study business and then you're gonna yeah. drop, drop sketches for electric moon and all that stuff yeah which is how we're, we're witnessing but anyway i got to the point where it's like you're just gonna get up and you're going to meditate your workout you're going to put on some coffee and then you're just going to go lock yourself in that room and you're just yeah. going to try and write and i was working on material with barbie and overlords and 
some days, you know, it's frustrating that it's like, man, I'm not getting anything. But if you get that one line yeah. or that phrasing, that's going to tie the song and then, then it's productive. But a lot of times, you know, you just go, you go to work and you do it just like anybody else would. Like if you have to, if you're the production manager um, for building a new restaurant, you're going to go and you're going to do the work that you have to do to get that new restaurant produced just like anybody else. So I, I kind of liked that idea before it was like, Oh, I have to do it late at night and it has to be dark and the sun can't be around. And I have to, I still can't write with anyone around that, that I'll never be able to do. I don't care if it's my wife, girlfriend, children. I just can't do that. I have to be isolated. I have to be alone. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. But anyway, that'll never change. But I did like the idea of like, just, go to work and if something comes out great if it doesn't okay yeah. try to get at least one line so how do how do you feel about that i i thrive um i'm i'm very busy like you are and so i thrive when it comes to um songwriting when there's some kind of accountability so that group that i was meeting with every monday for example um i you know my ego would not let me show up on a monday without a song even if it was a crap song i needed to show up with a song and so inevitably i mean there was some crap but i didn't intentionally write crap i was i was trying to write you know at least come in with uh you know a verse and a chorus um you know every Monday. Usually it was a, it was a full song. Maybe the bridge wasn't quite there. there. Um, and this year in 2021, um, a friend of mine, uh, we played a live stream uh, back in February. And it was just the two of us trading songs over right. the course of the night. And, um, and some, somehow in that um, event, she said, Hey, do you want to, uh, do you want me to hold you accountable to write a song a week? Um, I'll send you the prompt every Friday and, uh, you send me back a song by the next Friday. And Great. so I was doing that at the beginning of this year, uh, for the first, I would say for the first half of this year. Um, so that I, I thrive in that and yeah, I have to show up at my desk. Yeah. Um, actually not this desk though, that I'm facing right now. If I'm sitting here, my computer is here. Um, it's it's not where I want to do my songwriting. I do it over there. I have a piano. Wow. I have a piano tucked in the corner, and I don't typically write using piano as an instrument. But all of my songwriting like papers are on top of the piano, and so I'm literally writing on the piano. Um, and I and I'm facing that other window, and it, it's like a different point of view. It's a different yeah. perspective. It it kind of keeps me away from the computer. I can't see the computer when I'm over there. So I think it's one of those things where I think Picasso said, you know, inspiration can find you, but it must find you working. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. You know, in setting deadlines. I mean, even, even with, you know, with when you're, cause I have a tendency to like, is it ready? Is it ready? I don't know. I'm still tweaking it, but yeah. Mick Jagger, I think said, well, the stones just say, okay, it has to be done by September 30th. We're done. That's it. So you have till the 30th and then that's it. So be done and be ready or, or, you know, you missed the deadline, but I think he set parameters. And I yeah. think if you set like, I'm going to write a song a week and you just go to work yeah. and you're working that muscle. Like yeah. after quarantine, I had a, a stockpile of tunes. 
Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. I still do, but Electric Moon is keeping me very much on my toes right now. But yeah. uh, they're waiting. Yeah, I have, a, I have a new album that I've written. Um, mostly, if not all, this year, uh, in the first half of the year. Um, yeah. I think that the songs I wrote last year, I was writing last year, but I don't think any of those are going to make the cut for the album. And that's totally fine, you know. Sure. Um, and We're going to muscle. Yeah, know? yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and it is, it really is a muscle. I've experienced that myself where um, if I go through a period of time where I'm not writing and then yeah. I decide, okay, you've got to just sit down and write and you've got to have a song done in a week um, yeah. to send to your friend or whatever. Um, I find that that, that muscle, like I do feel atrophied a little bit, like, wait, I, you know, it's, it's tough and everything in, in me doesn't want to do it. And yet I know the joy of finding, finally having that new song to sing. Like when it comes together, it's such a satisfaction. It's a crazy, amazing feeling when it all comes together. And I think a lot of it is, is, is dropping that, that pressure. You know, again, during quarantine, I was like, you know what, if you get something great, you know, if you don't, don't beat yourself up, right? You know, because I, I can be very, very difficult on, not perfectionism, but, you know, is that painting good? Or most of my paintings as a painter, they start out terrible and I don't like them at all, you know, but I have to see it through. I have to yeah. keep the chance because in my head, looking at one now, um, I, I, I can see the potential. Actually, I kind of—it's okay right now. It's not bothering me. But a lot of times, I don't like, and the songs are the same way. Songs are like, man, I suck because I can't come up with this phrasing, or I can't—it's not yeah. good. And then you record it, and you're like, the next day, it's like, okay, that's terrible. Or you find something, you're like, okay, wow, you know, why, why did I beat myself up? So I think the biggest thing is not, as an artist, not uh, putting in the work. You know, doing the best you can, always coming from here. Mm. You know? And, you know, it's what I teach our students. It's just kind of yeah. like, if you, if you just come from here, you know, and it feels good and you're writing from here and, you know, then it is good, then it's great, you know? And, and, and yeah. I think it's, it's, you know, I think, I think that comes with maturity as well. You just stop, you just don't, you, you don't beat yourself up and you learn how to, and you get better at it too. You get better, you get, you know, over quarantine, I'm like, man, wow, these songs are really appearing. All of a sudden, I'm getting, I think I'm getting okay at this after so long. And we're always <laughs> learning and working at it. So it gets, yeah. you know, it just, it just comes with maturity. But I think it, it, you just kind of just do what you do and, yeah. and mean it. It just kind of, it all works out. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I have a whole process now um, when I'm writing, when I'm writing that quickly, a song a week. Um, you know, there's, there are times when it's like, oh, I really want to write a particular song, you know, that, that happens. But when, when I'm writing like that, um, you know, account with that accountability, that schedule, that show up at my desk and sit down and write, I, I really like the inspiration of a prompt word. Um, because not because I'll use that word, not like, you know, oh, use the, um here's it can i can i play a song for you i'll give you an example of course. what kind of show would this be if we said no song <laughs> let me uh let me just tune this up for a second hey, we're, so, we're going we're going long but it's okay we can 
right? You just uh, you just call it when you're done. You just call it. Well, I could I could I could chat with fellow songwriters all night, but uh, you know. Um. So this song, the um, the prompt. This one was driving me crazy because my friend said, "Okay, here's the prompt. It's uh, trash." Mm. And oh wow, um, I love and, the idea of that too. Yeah. So so this is my process when when you know, when it's not immediately obvious to me what I want to write about, I take that word and I write it down on a piece of paper and then I list five things that mm -hmm. that associates, that brings up for me. And I don't get attached to any of them. I just like trash. And, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, um, my ex who would bring in like broken things from the trash and like try to make something of it. So that was one idea and, you know, just some other ideas. Um, and then I kind of just intuitively feel my way into which one has the most gravity to me, which right. one feels metaphorically interesting um, yeah. or like a, there's a story behind it that I want to tell. Um, that, that example of the trash, I wanted, like there was something, I really wanted to write a song about my ex and that that trash you know that would end up in our house and then just sit there and there was something about that i was like i really want to write that song um and it wasn't coming to me and for days i was knocking my head against the wall like come on like you know playing with different ideas rhymes chords everything but i realized over a few days that actually there was another thing that i wasn't paying attention to that was kind of pawing for attention in the back of my consciousness which is that when I lived in New Jersey in that um, mountainside community, um, I remember as a kid, my dad would bring the trash cans out and we had just those old aluminum trash oh, cans, yeah, sure. right? Yeah. Before they came out with these like plastic, sure. you know, yeah, I remember. yeah like, like Oscar. Exactly. Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, so we had those Oscar the Grouch trash cans and there, there were a lot of raccoons that lived in our area and we had deer and now they have bears in that area i mean there's like a lot of animal life wildlife living out there and so raccoons would of course like you know people would try to bungee cord the trash can you know it was like a thing yeah. it was a problem but i realized top, maybe yeah so yeah. i realized like as i was trying to think of this song i realized that those raccoons kept appearing in my mind like i kept picturing this like dark street at night like a street lamp um shadowy trees in the background and like just a raccoon there somewhere and yeah. so this is what ended up coming out of that prompt great and so i discarded that first idea you know after days of of trying you know my intellect wanted to go there but this raccoon was like in the back of my mind and so um finally i decided you know what stop trying to write about that your ex in the trash what does that raccoon have to say and hmm. that that kind of like i just started there and this is what happened great let's see if you can see my uh my yeah specific. please i need to see the hands uh-huh let's see oh there we go that's good that's great that's a steve yeah one part alabaster moon One part rustling old raccoon One part whispers of a breeze 
March heady jasmine bloom One part lonely night bird One part two heart Spotlight of a street lamp beam Shadows dancing in between Familiar as an old refrain All the stories of the past The future ones that come too fast off the edges of the frame Might we make an apothecary potion about trash right but it, that little raccoon i mean I, I i kind of forgot about the raccoon which makes a great song yeah so it was just like i just made that leap from like okay I, the trash thing to the raccoon to 
like just describing an evening, you know, like yeah. that raccoon and the, the smell of jasmine in the air and the moon and the bird that's singing at night and, and then the street lamp. And it's like, you know, kind of, I love doing that. I love like writing from prompts because I allow it, I don't get attached to the prompt itself, but I allow it to kind of open up a new avenue of thought that I wouldn't have probably thought yeah. about without it. So. Yeah, I like the idea of that. I also like the idea of, of writing for a film where, you know, you, you kind of, you're, you're forced to write, you know, what, what the director has created in a scene or what's happening or the heartbeat of the film or the character. Mm. I, I would love that challenge. Mm. I would love that challenge of a filmmaker saying, Can, write me write me a record based around this this film because you're it's kind of like it's like sir orkin and the magnificent that record was me uh writing through characters because i i'd done several records of writing about myself not several at that point maybe four or five but um um and i want to write in care i want to get away from me yeah but i didn't really get away from me because sir orchid is me which is uh -huh. is actually the the concierge electric moon now but um, oh, yeah, okay. that's that he's from the Sorokin and the Magnificent record. He lives at the Electric Moon now, and he's a concierge. He has a place. That's yeah, cool. yeah, he has a home now. I, I had no idea the Electric Moon would arrive, you know, five, six, seven years later. But anyway, it all comes full circle. I like going back to certain things and re and connecting them. But anyway, Sorokin was the main guy on that record, and I. I found myself kind of indirectly writing, like Sir Orchid is me in yeah. and how I yeah. felt, but I didn't want to like, here's me, here's my feelings. I wonder, like Sergeant Peppers or yeah. White Album, like that Sergeant Peppers is, a, is a, I want to do, plus I was, I wanted to wear the Beatles on my sleeve. Like I wanted to like be, I wanted, I always had loved the Beatles and they informed me how to write, but I never really tried to write like, write like the Beatles and quirky and the characters and, so, yeah. um, so I love that idea of like that discipline of, of um, having a focus of like, okay, you have to write a song a week or here's your title. Right. Run with it. And, and I love that approach where if you say, okay, you know, in class and we say, all right, guys, you know, I want, we're going to pick a topic, broken, broken tambourine. Right. I want you guys to all come back with a song that is the title is broken tambourine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just writing yeah, the title. So the right. title, and that's what you have to work with. The yeah. Same with a film, like if again, you know, you, Ren, I want you to write about this young girl who's going through this, and she's, she's twelve. Yeah. Like, wow, what a challenge! Because now I have to write as a twelve-year-old girl in yeah. her perspective and what she's going through. What a challenge that is, and what a beautiful way to express, you know, to, to kind of live in that film and that character and. and a lot of pressure too because you kind of you have to kind of deliver how she feels sonically it's pretty oh, heavy yeah but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. i like that idea of writing the song and a lot of times like i personally start with a catchy title i wish i i wish that i i need to write more to titles um yeah. that's such a nashville thing and yeah. i i tend to like i've tried i have one song that i i did write to a title and i think it, it came out really nicely but um there every time i try to write to a title i end up 
making the title something else like that title is in the song or something but but right. the title of the song ends up being something else and you know it's i want to get better at that that's a like they're all muscles right it's that's all different. like yeah that's a lot of times it comes from you know some of my favorite titles with studio tone in detroit would be um the best of a bad year you know right. that song about that's a good title yeah or Falling from the sun. I remember writing that when we needed more material for a record and we were at the studio at like two in the morning and we needed more material. So it's like, you gotta think quick and I'm like falling from the sun. I like that. So I'm like, yeah. Or, or hang me from the moon from yeah. the old boards or jester for the king. You know, they're all like kind of hooky, hooky titles, I guess, that I just kind of use. And a lot of times they come with the hook as well. Like, it's yeah. the best of a bad year, you know? So it's like, then it's like, for me, I'm a hook and melody Beatle guy. Mm. That's where it starts. So once I get that, then I just, I build around that and the rest mm. is kind of gravy. But to me, that's the core. That's the core. And like the rest is like, okay, I got the hook. Yeah. Now I write really strong verses and, and a bridge. And, you know, I'm pretty, pretty, traditional when it comes to songwriting it's a hook and melody and and um but it, a lot of it starts from just a, a title that just jumps out at me yeah know? that's that's so awesome i'm i i tend to be more i write in general when i'm writing songs and when i'm writing like my literary work i tend to use writing as a way of uh like the writing reveals like I learn as I'm writing. And so, um, you know, I tend to use my songwriting process also to like, like, where's this going and what is the song teaching me and what am I learning? And it's so much about a process of discovery um, that, you know, that, that it's like, it's just, a, it's a different way of approach. And so I, I think that a lot of times in my songs, I. I'm sort of entering a story and exploring the story. And then I get to a point in the writing process where I'm like, oh, this is what it's about. And there's the title rather sure. than starting with the title and, and then constructing, you know, the story. Yeah. Afterwards. A lot of times I'll, if I want to work through something, I know I want to write a song to get a particular thing out of me. I'll just brainstorm. So I'll have page after page of just random lines. And then I'll kind of go back and kind of make sense of it. I, uh, I remember a bandmate of mine, we had kind of a falling out and I hadn't talked to him in years and God bless him. He's not, he's now passed on, but he, 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 he reminded me when we fell out of touch, he, um, I don't know if he emailed me or something and, or whatever it is, but we, we, we got back in touch before he passed and he, he, he said something. He's like, man, I remember you knew if you, you, you would have your big notebooks and you'd have, like all your notes on one side and all this random stuff. And then you'd have the lyric on this, this side. And I'm like, oh, wow, I never really, it never really connected my own method, but he obviously was paying attention and, and that sort of thing. So I'll, I'll literally have like, I don't know, like eight verses, you know, just working it through. And, right. and I, I love to brainstorm because I love to write. So it's just kind of stream of consciousness. You just kind of jotting it down and then, and then you get a phrase like, ooh, that's a good phrase, but I don't know if it's going to work, but I got to try and make it work somehow. Yeah. So, and I think that through that brainstorm is you have something like you're referring to your cabinet where it's there, you can pull that one down, yeah. take a look at that one. Okay, let's put that one back up on the shelf because 
I'm not feeling that right now, but maybe we'll eat that later, <laughs> you know? And yeah, then you pull yeah, this yeah. down. So you have, you know, just, and there's a romance to that too. There's a feel to that, to pick up the notebook and, you know, not to sound cheesy and generic, but you know, you got candles and maybe, yeah. maybe a bottle of wine or, or whatever. And you just- Oh, you know, wine. I cannot, I am useless, honestly. I'm, I'm, I've tried. <laughs> like I've, I've tried <laughs> to be the yeah. artist who can write with a bottle of wine, but really I'll have a glass of wine and then I'll be like, ah, let me okay. just lie down and let me go to sleep yeah. now. It's like, <laughs> I can't no, do I, it. I enjoy it when I'm painting and you know, yeah. thing, but, um, yeah, but you, I think there's a, there's a, you know, you don't want to get too comfortable in any kind of, for me, in any kind of artistic, you know, I want to be on my toes and kind of keep it, be on, be on edge a little bit. Yeah. And get too comfortable. Let me ask you a question. Do you, um, so I always, like my, the tools in my trade, I always have, if I'm working on a song, I have my guitar, I have my phone to do voice recordings. Yeah. Um, I have a, a pen, a couple of pens maybe, just in case yeah. uh, I run out of ink. And I, I use these like pads of paper um, and I, I write really messy when I'm in the middle of a song. It's like, yeah. I, I'm just like the, I don't, I, I'm not on the lines. I, you know, just big yeah. words, but I also have always, um, I always have a thesaurus and a rhyming dictionary. Mm. Um, maybe it's, mm. maybe it's just on my phone or maybe it's like the actual, you know, books that I have here in, in my shed. But um, mm. to me, that's, that's a, it become a really helpful when I was younger, I never did this, but it now it's become like a very helpful and essential part of my writing process because I yeah. feel like they help to break me out of my my own almost like to think yeah. in new creative ways that I don't I wouldn't naturally do. What do you use? Like, what are the tools that you have when you're working on a song? Like, what's there in front of you? What it? Oh man, guitar. I'm sure, yeah. right? Guitar, uh, piano, notebook um and my phone or um my task cam which is a quick hand oh yeah, yeah. Um, and that's it and that's it just and, for the uh, task cam or your phone for recording right yeah or the phone because now we can use a phone yeah um and that's it and then i think i might have talked to you about this in our last interview i found this technique that would help trigger take me in different directions i'll have a book whether oh right i remember this yeah, or Ishmael I had, or um, I think um, um, uh, Shantaram or whatever it is. And I would just randomly open the book and pick a phrase. And whatever I find, I would write the phrase around that. Mm, Typically, right, sometimes right. you pass it and you're like, oh, that won't do. That doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Or maybe it says, you know, I was on the toilet. I'm like, okay, can't use that. But anyways, right. you, don't, you don't know where you're going to open up to. You know, it could be, you know, there was one that I recall that was like spies on a roof. I was like, oh, I can use that. That's interesting. And, and so that would take me down a different path. What if song got, did you oh. play? Because I remember this conversation and you had a lot of like carnival and um, like, like circus imagery in in the song that you played and and that was oh, how yeah. we ended up talking about this what song was that that was um a brand new one that i don't think is really titled um yeah that was a brand new one that i wrote over um 
over quarantine. Is that the one? Floating out of control. Lost in my body, That one, right? Yeah, that might be it. It was that one. Yeah, it was hey, definitely. Right. But that one was a perfect example. Of, like, it spies on the roof, I think, was from um, from that book and from that new trick that I had been mm. trying. Because if, if you get stuck or you feel, that's a great way to, like John Lennon used to flip on the TV and that would distract him and then stuff would come to him. Mm. You, you, that's how, that was his thing. Or, right. you know, Bowie would have the, um, you know, the letters that you put together into words. There was a certain thing like cutouts. There was a certain technique that he would use. Yeah, like, It just seemed to work. So it would just take me down a different path of something yeah. interesting if I got stuck on something that I wanted to kind of develop or take a little bit farther and work a little harder at it. I could just open the book, find a yeah. phrase, like, okay, I can, I can roll that. Lori McKenna, she's um, married to her high school sweetheart. They've, you know, so she's had like one relationship in her life and they have a gazillion kids. And, um, you know, they, she lives in the same town, just a few blocks from where she grew up and, you know, but she's this brilliant songwriter and she has said that she, um, would get ideas for songs just by watching like talk shows, <laughs> you know, watching like, um, you know, like the, whoever would show up on the show and like talk oh. about their, their rotten relationship or whatever was, was happening. And it would help to fuel her for ideas. Cause a lot of her songs are about relationships of some sort. Um, you know, so, you know, yeah. that, that was where she, where she was getting her I, ideas. I think, and that's what's interesting. That's why I love the show so much is because or I'm going to love it. It's so new that, I, yeah, but, um, it's just learning, you know, I, I'm fascinated with how people do it. Yeah. And, you know, what, what their methods are and, um, that sort of thing. Cause everybody's so different. A lot of times people are like, wow, I do that same thing, you know, or, uh, yeah. You know, but a lot of times we have our own way and our own, you know, tapping into the ether. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's happened several times in my life. Maybe not several, because it's such a gift when it happens where, but the song just literally dropped in your lap. And you're like, wow, I was able to grab onto something that just was floating through the room. And I, I was lucky to be the con conduit, conduit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, has that ever happened to you where just you're like, whoa, I don't know where that came from, but it was just like, here it is. And it's just been handed to me. Is that, is that um, you know, it's funny. I don't in the process of writing a song. I don't know if I would say that, but in, but afterwards, like now I don't, I don't, I remember tr that song that I just played bottle up tonight. I remember trying to write this other song about the trash and it not working. And then when I finally sat down with the raccoons I don't remember the process of actually writing this song. Um, it just yeah, unfolded it. somehow, but I don't know that I would have, I don't know that that is, I don't know that that was my experience at the time. It's just that I think that, you know, like I think that as I was writing it, um, I, I felt like I was doing work, but afterwards now in retrospect, I don't remember I don't remember, I just remember it kind of pouring out. I don't know, it's kind of a funny thing. Like, I don't think it was pouring out as I was doing it, but when I remember it, like, I don't have a memory of really, you know, wow. some, you know, that sort of thing. I don't know. Hey, yeah. um, I, will you play a song? I mean, I played. Want to hear a song? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I played two fun. songs for you. You, <laughs> you did. You got to play something. Wow. Well, I, I hope people are still tuned in and they're enjoying the show. Are you having a nice time? I'm having a great time. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm having a wonderful time. Good. You know, we're, we're going on, what are we, over an hour and a half now? It's wonderful. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Gosh, I haven't I haven't played that other one that you referred to in quite some time. There's not a chance I should play that one right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. You'll do that next time. I also learned that I, speaking of unorthodox waves, I just learned that I think I put my capo. I think I don't know if you can see my guitar because the lighting's kind of weird. Yeah, it kind of goes. It goes in and yeah, out. Do you, you have one of those um, like clip-on capos? I do, but do you do you put it on from the top or the bottom? Well, it's kind of funny. I use Shub capos, so I don't use that clip-on kind, but um, I actually was on their website a while ago, and there was a whole, I can't remember if it was a video or just like a, um, you know, like a Q&A. I can't remember what it was, but it was yeah. talking about like, you know, some people put it on, on you know, going on top, and some people go do the other okay. way, and, and they were like, it doesn't matter, at least for the Shub capos. Um, I do <clears throat> top-down. Okay. For this capo, but I have another shove capo that only covers a few of the strings, and uh, and if you flip it, it it covers different strings. So you know, depending on which orientation you have, you'll get a different tuning. Interesting. Yeah, I actually I put mine from the bottom, and I don't know who I was watching. I think it was last night. I was like, oh wow, he's got it from the top. Huh. But I've seen that before, and I don't I don't think it matters. Yeah. <laughs> that's art, though, and that's and you know. Jimmy so, Hendrix had flipped his guitar in such a way and it gave him who it wasn't proper. So was that a, a lefty guitar or yeah. was it a righty guitar that you had a, a pick guard put on? Well, this one I was lucky enough. This was a, this is my baby shoes. This is a gift. This was a gift to me. Um, we had uh, the quick story, Lori, wherever you are, I haven't heard from her in forever, but uh, if she happens to be watching, Lori, I love you and you saved my life. Because um, what had happened, we were on the road and we we're in Mission City, Studio Tone was, and well, long story short, we were having breakfast, and a band that was that we knew, Chris Johnson, if you're watching from 19 Wheels, we loved them, and we admired them, and they're a little bit older than us, and we were at breakfast after a show in Indiana, and um, we were talking about how 19 Wheels, they were just about to break through, like Nash the Verb Pipe was happening, I don't know if you've heard of the Verb Pipe, but um, regardless, 19 Wheels was just on the cusp of being a very big band. And we had opened a lot of shows with them and they were very kind to us. And their van had just recently gotten broken into somewhere. And we were at breakfast, um, drinking coffee and having breakfast. And we, one of the guys was like, yeah, did you hear Chris, um, you know, 19 Wheels van got broken into and they lost all their stuff, like amps, everything. And we're like, oh, you're kidding. Our guitar player goes out to the car. Wow, the no. Demo. You're uh, not going to believe it. This is and painful to hear. Witnesses our van getting broken into and them just leaving. And he comes back and he's like, guys, and we're having breakfast. You know, we're, we're like, he's like, guys, our van just got broken into. They're like, are you kidding me? So we ran out and um, they took my flip flops and um, my amp. I know, like, how rude. Like, you take a man's flip flops after that. And, yeah. But anyway, long story short, they gutted, they gutted everything. Wow. They wow. across the border. Uh, but anyway, my guitar was was taken. And you know, at that time we didn't have a lot of money. I couldn't replace it. And this girl that I knew, I'll probably get tears in my eyes because it's gosh, it meant so much to me. She she basically said, Brent, you know, 
um, I want you to pick out a guitar and, um, but you have to promise to take it places hmm. and do something with it and write good songs. That's all I ask. But pick out whatever you want. I'm like, Lori, you know, I can't pick out what, that's incredible. You know, I like Gibson guitars and they're like a lot expensive. She's like, pick out whatever you want, but just promise hmm. that you'll write really good songs on it and that you'll take it places. Hmm. And um, here we are at the Electric Moon and um, several records later that were all written on this guitar. Wow. So I, can't be, I can't be any more grateful. Um, but what was the question? <laughs> what, did you ask me a specific question? I was asking about the guitar, oh, the and that guitar. was just such an awesome yeah. story. This so it actually, was a lefty, a lefty guitar? Yeah, I had all the rest of my guitars have been flipped. But this, oh. if it was not a lefty, you would see the pick guard on the top. Yeah, I didn't know if like you you had another pick guard, you know, no, this added is on to it. Okay. No, thank again, Lori said pick out whatever you want. So I was able to have this uh, custom. But if wow. you look at uh, even unplugged for, for Cobain, he was a lefty and his pick guard is on the top, you'll notice. He just flipped it. All my other guitars are flipped except this one. I was able to um, to do that. But uh, I can't thank Lori enough because this, this song came from it. <clears throat>
Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, in the evening at some point for all for all the folks that need to get to bed, especially on the East Coast. But yeah. um, Ariel Silver, thank you so much. Do you have any parting words? Anything you mm. coming up that you'd like to share with us? And I'm um, honored and grateful that you were mm. you were a very first guest. Thank you. <laughs> thank no. you. Um, you know, I've just been trying. I guess I'll leave with this. I've been trying to get better at this. I think that part of our jobs as independent musicians and performing songwriters is to help teach music lovers how to be great music fans, I guess, in this weird time when music is essentially free, right? Like you turn on Spotify and it's like, you know, you yeah. listen to whatever you want. And so I'm trying to get better at this. Um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity to practice again that um that for you i mean you, you've been in a lot of different bands um you know but arthur autumn and i don't know you know what you would like people to follow you on but for me um you know spotify apple amazon however you listen to music if you would mm -hmm. like or subscribe or follow youtube yeah. subscribe find me on my facebook ariel silver music page instagram it's just really helpful when people click that follow button or that subscribe or heart for all of us independent musicians you know it's such an easy thing and it makes a big difference so yeah but, it sure does yeah and for electric moon like you know you're just starting out and for folks who are already learning about electric moon like facebook electricmoon.org right yeah um on yeah. facebook and on instagram and electric moon not official on Instagram. Okay. And then also now you, you have this YouTube channel probably also, Electric Moon. Yeah, and we're going to be, it's pretty exciting. We're going to be starting Electric Moon um, podcast. Awesome. From, from You'll be our first guest on that, so we need to get some big, big shout out to Mike Austin, who was available for us yeah. tonight with uh, getting everything going. So grateful to work with him and, and Miguel um, Angel Chavez um, in Argentina. So if they're watching, you know, it's a uh, not just one man behind Electric Moon, and, and and I think behind every great team is um, or behind anything that is out there and and, and making some noise. There's a there's a beautiful team yeah. um, behind us and Jules and the Howl. But um, 
I'm just grateful for the opportunity. And I think the, the heartbeat of um, Electric Moon is ex exactly what our guests, I think, witnessed from you tonight and what I tried to do and our love of music and how, you know, this piece of, of wood essentially, you know, saves lives. Yeah, it does. Um, it does. And it gives the world such joy. Maybe not this guitar, but, um, you know, someone else's guitar. And, and I think that to, to get to the point in your life where it's like, man, you know, I'm so grateful that I've been gifted the opportunity to have music, um, you know, art. So yeah. if, you, if you can pass it on to the next generation and encourage other kids to like, yeah, get, get music lessons and sit down at the piano and just make noise and get a ukulele and, and play a harmonica because it's just so rewarding. Um, you know, you learn cognitive skills, your, your, your studies are better. You, you learn to work with others. You, um, you know, you find others that are like you that like music and you find, you know, somewhere to be. And, um, you know, it's just such a, a healthy thing. So I think that's everything behind the heart electric moon is, is just having the opportunity to inspire the next generation and, um, leading them to, to a, a place that, they can feel good, you know, yeah, we're so, so awesome. grateful for that, you know, so um, it's, a, it's a gift to, to have the opportunity for sure, yeah. you know, so thank you for being our first. Thank guest. you. That's Quite just, an honor. Thank you. So amazing. You were here and you yeah. sounded great as usual. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and, and for folks who are like tuning in or, or just finding Electric Moon for the first time, the website is so freaking cool. Thank you. It's so cool. It's yeah, like I had, you guys I, are making something very, very original, very interesting, yeah. very creative. Well, thank you. Like I said, with Mike and, and Miguel and, and his team and um, Mike Austin at XMLA.com. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm so grateful. To work with them because they're so talented and uh it just it's it's wonderful and we're, we're kind of getting there it's, it's a work in progress sure yeah. you know it's something that we're we're kind of pioneering pioneering a new way and no one has has done this before so when you when you trailblaze it's just uh takes time to get everything out of the way and, and build something but we're, we're we're getting there and um it's exciting to get students um signed up and and so we can teach and, and give these gifts back and and uh it's just a blessing to be able to do that and it's it feels pretty good have you ever have you ever taught outside of yoga have you taught well, i teach i teach creative writing at antioch university ah. um, I, te I teach creative writing and i teach creativity this is going to sound really nerdy but creativity research studies so i teach a course it's starting actually next week at antioch um, just a, a class that's entirely about the creative process and um, great. we just explore it in a lot of different ways. So wonderful. Yeah. So great. Well, so I think we're going to do this again. I think October 28th, we'll do that. We're going to get on a, a regiment probably every, uh, maybe every third Thursday. So we know where to return. Um, again, thank you, Ariel Silver for being with us. And one more time, where can everybody find, find you? What are your handles on social media? really quick my my website is arielsilver.com and all of my links are on the website but my handle at instagram is arielsilver my facebook is arielsilver music uh i never 
not never, but rarely use Twitter. But on Twitter, there's someone in Finland who has zero followers, and she grabbed the Ariel Silver handle oh, on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know what she's doing with it, but she's not doing much as far as I can tell. So I wow. am on Twitter. I am R E L three letters R E L Silver. So. <laughs> Right on. So there's that. But my website has a, an email sign up and I have a Patreon and, you know, just fun stuff on my website. So I think I would just direct people there because they can kind of launch from there to anything else. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. And as far as Electric Moon on Facebook, um, our Instagram is electricmoon.official. And then, of course, electricmoon.org. Um, we've got some exciting things coming up. We're going to be introducing new artists in the listening room. We didn't talk about that, but Ariel oh. Music will be there oh, cool. um, in our listening room, which is state-of-the-art 3D and VR. Um, so we've got some other artists. Brett Mitchell from Michigan will be joining us in the listening room. And a band that I opened for um, when, I, when I was uh, grateful enough to perform with ours, uh, The Rebel. Is going to be joining us in the listening room, a very strong, big rock and roll band from New Jersey. They're going to be in the listening room. We've got some fantastic artists coming to the art room. Um, lots of exciting things. We'll be introducing the electric ticket uh, very soon, which is kind of a fun way to explore um, electric moon and the giveaway stuff because everyone likes things like that. And um, it's kind of fun kind of based on Willy Wonka's uh, <laughs> ticket, but I can't give it all away. We'll be introducing that soon. And once again, we'll sign off here from the Electric Moon. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming out tonight and checking this out. Um, very excited to introduce the, the Artist to Artist show more and more and get a little bit more used to this. Uh, Ariel Silver was a brilliant first guest. I thank you. And I knew you would be great. Opening <laughs> it's not an easy job. Um, so we hope to see you guys back October 28th for another one of these. Um, stay in tune with electricmoon.org. If you are know someone that wants to learn the gift of music and learn an instrument and have it change their lives, we are available for bass, guitar, piano, vocal, drum lessons, uh, you name it, ukulele, songwriting, um, business course, we are there for you or something that you love, even as a gift, give the gift of music. And um, that's about it, electricmoon.org. Grateful, honored to have this opportunity and to share our love of music with all of you. Um, I think we're gonna sign off, we'll see you the 28th. Stay tuned to all the happenings. Ariel Silver, thank you once again. Thank you, my pleasure. An honor. Thank you. And it warmed my heart. And thank you guys, we're gonna sign off. Be kind to one another, and uh, we'll see you next time, all right? See you guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>